you ready to uncover the power within you? Are you ready to kick butt at life? Are you ready to get this party started? This is Shut Up and Grind. If it's about fitness, women's empowerment, personal development, small business marketing, relationships, Robert B. Foster is talking about it. Robert is a gym owner. He went from foreclosure to multiple six figures in 12 months. Helped thousands of women shed weight and inches while becoming more confident. And a six times gold medalist in the Transplant Games of America. Get ready for Shut Up and Grind. Here's your host, Robert B. Foster. All right. Happy Sunday, everyone. This is episode number 19 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, Robert B. Foster. That is I. So I'm being joined today with Leonard. Say hi to the folks, Leonard. Hello, everyone. All right. We're going to get to Leonard in a moment. So again, if this is your first time joining me on the show, we keep it meat, I call it. M-E-E-T. Motivational. Educational entertaining and if you apply what we teach you today it'll be transformational all right so that's the acronym of meet so today we're going to talk about additional streams of income how to take your business to the next level well, if you're an entrepreneur how to get to becoming a business owner like a true business owner and if you are already a business owner how to take that to the next level and leonard's going to talk to you about becoming a legend in your industry so we're going to dive right in. So first, who is Leonard? So Leonard, he's down in Florida, Florida, right? Yep, South down Florida. Down there in sunny Florida, I'm jealous. <laughs> and he is a business coach. He's a marketing coach. He's a thought leader. And I love this one, an income stream savant. That's savage. That's a savage, savage <laughs> title. No, it, <laughs> I love it's, it. It's the income stream savant. That's oh, my bad, my bad, income. my bad. Got to get that the in there. <laughs> got to get it in there. Got to get right? it in Like there. I call myself the man. Like man would just sound stupid. So it's got to be the man. <laughs> yes, yes. Got to be specific. All right, sir. All right, so let's dive in. So so how did you start doing what you're doing? Um, it really started at a young age, you know. My mom started me at at about nine years old. She took me to these Russ Whitney seminars at the hotel, sitting yeah. there. I was the designated note taker at nine. I don't know why, but I'm glad she did that because <laughs> it just got me used to being the one to write this stuff down. And then I'd have to go back and explain it to her. Yeah. So I, I, as a young kid, you know, just she put business in my bones and <laughs> like just yes. in me completely. Um, because she wanted me to to grow up and not be confined to just what I see around me. Yes. You know, and so really thankful for her to doing that and really starting me out on my journey as an entrepreneur into a business owner. You know, because uh, the difference is is stark. Yes. But um, but but she started all of that has been extremely, extremely supportive all along the way, um, to the point where sometimes I feel like a little too much. Yeah, because the it's always great to have support and never turn it down. But there comes a point, and and I learned this. Uh, it took a long time for me to learn this, that you have to say no to support sometimes, because so much support gives you a way out, and then it doesn't push you to really pull out what's in you to succeed. So. That's that's awesome, and so many people struggle with that on different levels. 
even in fitness, that like we have climbing walls and we have obstacle stuff. And there are times where I tell people, no, 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 don't help her over the wall. Like she needs to learn to get over the wall by herself, he or she. So yeah, in business, you're right. It's exactly the same thing. So in your bio, you said, so you help entrepreneurs become business owners, business owners become legends. So I'm sure there's a process there. So take me through the first step of the process. Well, the very first step of the process is understanding what an entrepreneur is. You know, a lot of people, I did it myself. You know, I had this idea that I felt was an incredible idea. I went out, I got business cards, I put CEO on the business card, and then I was off to the races and I never even had a customer, yeah. <laughs> you know? And the, the dangerous part about that is because there's a different way to operate when you're an entrepreneur and when you're a CEO. Yes. But amazingly enough, because we've titled ourselves a CEO, even without recognizing it, we start operating as a CEO. Yeah. You know, what a CEO does is operate systems. That's what they do. And what we start doing is trying to put a system in place so that we can then go sell our thing. Yes. You know, that's extremely backwards. That's why many businesses just fail, you know, flat out right out the gate. And when you understand that an entrepreneur is the person that solves the problem and you start there, you can already see how different those roles are. Yes. And so the very first thing is understanding who you are as an entrepreneur and that that entrepreneurial hat that you have has to always be there in arm's reach. Even when you become a CEO, you want to remain a CEO. Yep. You need to be sometimes reach back and get that entrepreneur hat and figure out what problem you're solving so you can continue to serve the people. There it is. I was going to jump in with that part. Like, I know you want to dive into creativity, but that, that part right there is huge. The people that I work with, I ask them that question. So who's your target market? And people always want to say, this works for everyone. <laughs> and right. people don't realize that when you do things that works for everyone, you just become another fish in the sea. Mm-hmm. You know, and like they got to make themselves sta- stand out. And that's where I believe, you know, your point about creativity comes in. And you can go ahead and talk more about that. Right. You know, all of us are creative. You know, there's a ton of people that feel like they aren't, you know, but think about it for a second. This is something that I always think about, which is we're created by the image. We're created in the image of the greatest creator of all time. God. Yep. It's designed in our DNA to be creative. You know, like even if you don't believe in God, like, do you have a child? You know, have you co-created a son or a daughter? Like, have you ever told a lie? You know, like, we're all creative. It's just we have to realize that. And then that then begins to allow us to tap into it and increase our creativity. Like, like when you're, when you're um, working out with people, like regardless of the size of that muscle, what does it take to build muscle? Like they have to exercise that muscle. Yeah. You exercise your creativity and you get better and better. It's just a foregone conclusion. You know, yeah. like we were created. So, or we're so creative. <laughs> We create an entire story about why we aren't creative. Yes. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> yep. So I had a therapist on. She was on my second episode. And she had said that from way back when, like back in the caveman days, back when we were hunter-gatherers, we seek out the negative for survival. So if you're walking out there and you hear things in the woods, like, what is that? What is that? You know, you're constantly on the defense. And so now we have all these conveniences, but our DNA is still the same. So people naturally seek out the, 
what won't work instead of what can or will work. Right, right. I mean, the same thing with exercise, it goes back to our brain. Like your brain is your greatest ally. Your brain is constantly trying to help you accomplish what you want to do. Yep. The problem is the question you ask is at the center of it all and also the way you trained it. So if you train your brain to, or if you constantly start something and stop, your brain will automatically look for excuses why you should stop the next thing. Yeah. Because it's just the way you trained it. So yeah, it all goes back to the way that we're training our minds, our bodies, you know, it everything responds that way. Yeah. And you, you said the key sentence earlier, because that gives them a way out. Yeah. And that's why most people <laughs> stay comfortable instead of getting to where they actually want to be. So like a gentleman two podcasts ago, David had said the person that hits rock bottom is going to be more motivated to succeed than a person who's making 60,000 a year and can pay all their bills. Because right. that, that person's comfortable. There's nothing, there's nothing pushing them. So mm -hmm. I feel when it comes to making that shift from entrepreneur to business owner, there's got to be something pushing you there. So mm -hmm. what, what do you see in your experience with that? Uh, the most important thing is your why. Like if, if you don't know why you're doing something or if your why isn't strong enough, you haven't dug deep enough to discover the true thing behind your why, the root of it all, yeah. then you, you're, you're always going to quit you know, because you haven't given yourself a reason not to. Yeah. You know, the, the desire to remain comfortable, and that's really what it all boils down to. Like what you're doing, wherever you're at, like we say we want to stop or we want something more. But what we don't want is the uncomfortability that comes with gaining that thing. Yes. You know, uh, one of my mentors, Myron Golden, says that people aren't willing to be bad at something long enough to get good at it. Yeah. And that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. You know, like you have to make your desire to actually do whatever it takes to get that thing. Like make a decision. Um, look it up Greek. Like it means you cut off everything except what you decided to do. Yeah. Like that's when you now have, that's that's the guy who's at the rock bottom. Like he doesn't have a choice. Yeah. Um, there's a story uh, Myron tells about um, eagles. He's like, what percent of eagles can't fly? None, they all can fly. <laughs> they get yeah. pushed out the nest over and over <laughs> that's until they get right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And, and the point he makes is that when we jump out of the nest or when we feel we've been pushed out of the nest, we grab onto the first branch that actually holds us yep. and we sit there and stay comfortable, hoping that one day someone will take us to the next spot. Yep. But everyone else is already soaring and flying. So it's, it's up to you to do that. Yes. The irony in all of this is that people will stay committed to things that don't serve you. Like smokers, people know there's nothing good comes from smoking. <laughs> not one doctor has ever prescribed cigarettes for, for stress for stress and anxiety but yet people will hold on to it for life people will hold people will stay in a bad relationship that's not going anywhere but then you present something that's positive and there's resistance yeah <laughs> it yeah, makes no yeah. sense to me yeah you know um like i've heard so many complaints about covid shutting businesses down and everything and like when you really take a step back and look at it, COVID opened the doors for like tens of thousands of people to become millionaires. Yeah. Like all of those 
I had a friend from New York call me um, maybe like three or four days ago. And she was talking about the Cheesecake Factory is closing now. Yeah. And they had one of her favorite cheese. I'm like, oh, wow. And they immediately my mind said, man, like somebody should really open up a cheesecake business and kind of just take hold of the news that's going on with the Cheesecake Factory. And now their cheesecakes are going to like, you can't go to the Cheesecake Factory no more. Yeah. Where are you going to go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, make, make like an homage, a homage to Cheesecake in memory of Cheesecake. And it's because I don't know if you can necessarily say their name yeah. still, but like in memory of <laughs> that's kind of designated to them. Yeah. If you're a fan of the Cheesecake Factory, you're probably going to want to at least try it out just because yeah. it's in memory of them. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's the time to allow your creativity to first pay attention to yep. where the doors are opening up and stop looking at the ones that are closing. Yes, and a lot of that too, it's from generational brainwashing. Like I say this all the time. Yeah, when you, you, when you and I spoke before off camera, I, I had mentioned that. It's generational brainwashing. Right from a young age, we're taught the, the life cycle. You go school, college, work, retire, die. Like <laughs> that's, that's the life cycle that everyone's taught. And now what COVID did, yes, it definitely decimated a lot of, a lot of industries, you know, yeah. like events, weddings, you know, f- photography, like so many different re- restaurants are hurting and closing. But the ones that have the foresight and the vision to pivot to say, all right, this is happening. What else can I do? And people don't realize that the answer, one of the answers is right here. Both, everybody has a smartphone. And you can take that smartphone and you can have multiple streams of income with that device. Like it, people already have it and they just need to know how to use it. Right. And they, they have to want to know how to use it. Yes. You know? <laughs> because it, like, what's the first thing most people do when they're trying to figure something out? They go to Google. Yeah. So it's like, like keep that same energy for everything else, you know, because the, the, the only time you fail is when you quit. This is yeah. it. You know, no one ever looks at Jordan and is like, oh, he's not a winner. Yeah. Even though he failed a few times before they started winning. Yeah. He didn't he got he didn't make the 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 team in high school. So it's like there are all these moments where he kept pushing. Like the, the only time that he would have failed is if he would have stopped. Then he's labeled like, okay, I failed. Exactly. But as long as you keep pushing, as long as you keep pressing, like you you never fail. You figure it out. And then they're like, oh, you're an overnight success. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> right. to, go, to go along with what you said about having your why, I think equally as important, it's your vision. It's like, what do you see? What do you mm-hmm. see? Because like people, again, not to keep picking on smokers, but like smokers <laughs> know that you increase your likelihood of getting cancer. So like mm-hmm. they know they should quit. That's a pretty solid why. Because I can get cancer, but yet they keep doing it. <laughs> so, right. so yeah. and the ones that quit, I mean, obviously there's millions of people out there who quit. So the handful that I know that quit have said they just one day they just had they're like I'm done, I'm just mm-hmm. done. They made that they made that decision. Like they didn't quit because anything that you quit you can restart. So right. they said I, I they said I'm done. Like I don't want that anymore. And I think the same mm-hmm. holds true with casting the vision for what you want. So when I started this podcast, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. You know, little did I know it was super easy to start. But, <laughs> but it now said I'm booked out through March. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, but exactly. it's like, like I saw what, what I wanted, put the steps in, and here we are. 
and hopefully a year from now we're like national international you know so right I mean, so, go ahead oh uh, i was gonna say you're you're 100 correct right it's it's the why and the vision <clears throat> excuse me because like the vision is the thing that you want the thing you desire after you decide exactly what it is that you want you know you take some time to figure that out and then that's the thing that fuels your why so yes. <clears throat> excuse me, if my why is strong enough and then i know where it is that i want to go now it's just important to not look too far ahead and i think people want to make the entire bridge right away from where they are to where they want to get yes and it's like look just like know the next step to get there because if you haven't done step two and you're frustrated trying to figure out step six it's like 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 dude like step six will probably change by the time you get there (laughs) (laughs) focus on getting step two done or you'll get step six complete finally and now when you go back to start everything else has changed yeah which then means you got to change everything all over again so it's Mm -hmm. like just take that next step and always focus on the thing that's going that's important for you to take that next step towards your goal so yeah definitely the vision yeah and it's the same it's the same thing in fitness people will say oh i still need 20 pounds to go i'm like don't worry about the 20 pounds to go focus on today crush today and then you crush tomorrow and then you crush the next day and then next thing you know those 20 pounds are going to be gone <laughs> you know yeah. it's like like you just got to take focus daily action and mm-hmm. that's that's the key to, to making that next step so so now let's say i'm a business owner now how do i become a legend right the way you become a legend is you become that go-to person in your industry you know like if i'm if i'm like okay i want to work out i haven't worked out seriously in a long time i hear rbf fitness has got it going on let me go hit robert up robert like i want to lose like 50 pounds i want to get back to what i was benching in high school and then we start a program we start doing things right yep and now i run into someone a month later and they're like hey did you know that there are these five things that or these five foods that just blast away fat that most people don't know about like oh wait most people don't know about them. Well, I'm thinking, hey, I'm with Robert. Right. Robert already told me these things. Yeah. So if they tell me five things that you didn't tell me, what happens? Now they've started to steal me away from you. Yeah. And I don't see you as the leader anymore. I don't see you as the person that knows it all. What I think is because you didn't tell me, you don't know. Yeah. And so the way that you become a thought leader is just like we talked about with those steps along the bridge, along, like one step at a time. You need to think about the journey that you want your your customers to go on, your clients. Like, where's the destination that they want to be at? And when they get there, what's the next destination? Yeah. Uh, there was a motivational speech I heard once. It was like, once you climb, once you get to the top of the mountain, find a bigger mountain. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's like that's that's every, there's always going to be this next step because I learned this from Steve Larson. Whenever you whenever you solve a problem you create a problem. It's, it just happens. That's, <laughs> yep. It's just natural. Like you can't help it. You'll never <laughs> solve every single problem. And it's just because until you get to that point, you're not even conscious that there's a problem there. Like people want to be rich, right? Yeah. They have no idea of the problems that come along with being rich. But once they're rich, now they're like, oh, 
well, now I have to deal with this. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's how you become a legend in your industry because you're always thinking about that next step. And most companies are only thinking about one. Yeah, They're only thinking about their, their current product and that's it. So we learn how to how to um, basically look in the future and yeah. see what those next needs are going to be and, and provide them. So now does it depend what industry you're in? Because like as I'm listening to you talk, I'm trying to because like I focus more on service based businesses because they mm-hmm. definitely solve a specific problem. But what if you're someone that sells like, I don't know, you have like a consignment shop. So, all right, here's the thing. When you look at a consignment shop, you think, okay, it's a a physical address. It's a brick and mortar. Yeah. But it's not tied to only being a brick and mortar. You know, for any travel agents out there, I'm gonna give you this one, right? Cause I I, I own my own (laughs) travel agency. I was actually going to do a course teaching some stuff to some travel agents and I just got busy. So here, this is free for you right now. Right now in the midst of COVID, you can take over the travel industry from Expedia and all of them. They, they, they can't do anything near to the ex- extent that you can. Right now, as a travel agent, you can also contact these chefs in Italy because a lot of people go to Italy and they want to try the food. They want to go to the market. Just think about the destinations and what those destinations offer. So contact some chefs. Offer to do, ask them to do a live cooking demo. Have a Facebook group. Get people on your list. Start making them pay a membership, even if it's only 15, 20 bucks a month to be a part of this membership where you're bringing in cooks from all over the world to do cooking demos. Like (laughs) now Expedia can't offer that, right? So you become a travel agency that also has a membership program. Mm. On top of that, the, the why they'll do it is because when these places open back up, what relationship was just created? So now you have a relationship with these chefs so that when you bring people there, they can actually be there live and, and go there for dinner or or um, or do a, a live cooking class where now now they're the ones that are part of the, the teachers in a sense, yeah. teaching new people who are there. It's, it's so crazy how easy it is. You just have to think outside of the box. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah, think, so, think of the what can be. Right. And travel agency is a service business. But when you look at all the additional things that you can add on, instead of someone downloading uh, Duolingo to learn another language, contact someone in the country who's a part of the um, the tourism board to actually teach the language. That's a very different experience now. And it's a part of your membership. So now they're not just learning from an app, they're learning from someone who's actually there who, when they take a trip there, they can actually link up with, and now they have a completely different experience because I'm not just in this country, you know, for the first time or whatever, and trying to get by with sign language. (laughs) I'm actually there with people I know who I've been studying this language, and now I'm fluent, or at least getting getting to a place where I'm fluent, and my experience is better because of it, because they appreciate it. That was awesome. (laughs) That was awesome, yeah. I was working with someone that has a restaurant and same thing saying, you know, because they can only do 50% of the capacity now. And I was like, well, this is where you have to talk to your chef and you have to be creative. 
you know, mm-hmm. maybe have some some grab and go stuff. Some people are doing curbside. I said, start a start a YouTube channel and teach some of the recipes. Obviously, you you don't want to give away your best stuff because you want people to come into the restaurant. But mm-hmm. you know, just there's so many different ways that you can spin around it. Like it might be out of the scope of what you enjoy doing. Like mm-hmm. I didn't really enjoy doing virtual classes, but when everything got shut down and we had to stay the stay at home orders, I had no choice. <laughs> like if I want to keep the business going, this is what I have to do. Mm-hmm. But like, I much prefer being live. Same thing with the speaking, although this podcast stuff is growing on me. <laughs> but like, but like I, I'd much rather be on stage in front of people and get in that personal physical connection. Right, but, right. You know, you have to take, you have to take what comes to you. I yeah, see. I mean, even with the restaurant owners, <laughs> You know, with all the different mail order things, like they can they can start a a a, um, a, a, a custom box where they're sending shipping out meals now. You can order the meal, yes. they ship it out frozen. You know, it, it it's so many different things. It's just a matter of allowing your creativity to just run wild without limiting it. Yes. And then now, you know, even just telling your story, like what made you create this dish. Like, where did this dish come from? Now you have a whole menu of stories to tell, yeah. you know, that's making people want to connect and 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 uh, do business with you more. So, yeah, like, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, 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 it's funny. Like the program I'm creating is called Speak Speak About Yourself. You know, say me and my <laughs> me and my acronyms, but Speak About Yourself because we have so much inside that the mm-hmm. world needs to hear, and I'm creating an entire program about that. And it can work, it can work wide. Like it can work really, really wide. Whether you're, like you said, that chef has stories. You have stories. I have stories. The people listening all have stories that Mm -hmm. other people need to hear. And so as COVID's happening and so many people are panicking and people are just thinking it's gloom and doom. Like if we get locked down, down again, it's gloom and doom. Like, but it doesn't have to be. Right. You know? It doesn't have to be. Let's talk about branding. So as part of becoming a legend, you got to have the right branding. So what are some tips, some tips you can give, you know, without emptying the toolbox, you know, just, just to make people stand out, you know, be the apple in the sea of oranges. You know, um, it's, it's interesting. I, I had this conversation with someone last week, you know, who really wanted to focus on their branding. And honestly, like what people look at is, oh, everyone knows it's Coca-Cola. Everyone knows it's McDonald's. Like, like not because that's what they were focused on, right? What they were focused on is delivering a product that people wanted and and liked and enjoyed. Like after that, people started recognizing those things. Yeah. Um, I, I learned this this thing like in terms of of, of uh, repeat repeated uh, symbols or words or something like that. I, I just briefly heard about it a couple of days ago, and that's kind of where Coca Cola came from. Like that Coca Cola. Like that's that part right there is is why it's easy for people to remember it. Mm-hmm. So like that out, outside of the extent of that, what I would say to people is let your product speak for itself. Instead of it doing what you say it'll do, like over deliver with it. And then as you're trying to to make a name for yourself to be recognized, now bring your audience in to help you with those decisions. Like let them make the slogan, like run a contest where they help you with the slogan, like run a contest where they help you with a new logo. Like mm-hmm. all of that stuff begins to make them feel an attachment to it where now they feel like it's a piece of them as well. So in that, when you approach branding from that perspective, it's not, you're not putting something out there for people to see and recognize. 
you're kind of making a home for people to be like, oh, I'm a part of that, or yeah. that I'm a that community is mine, you know. Yeah. And 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 that's what I would say would say about branding. Like let let your product over deliver, and then let your audience and your customers, not necessarily your audience, but your customers, be the ones to actually take it down that road because that's what's going to make it memorable to them, and that's the most important thing. So now, what what about people like myself that that's a speaker? So where the brand is me, right? Like the, like there isn't a physical Man, product. That brand is the T-shirt. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that's the tank top. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and and I mean it's it's so funny because you know like I like I was gonna wear a tank top this morning. I was gonna be part of the RBF family. I was like, let me get some push-ups in, so I'm looking right in the tank top and everything. Um, and I, I'll tell you this, this is when I knew I was in trouble. I went running, I got in the shower right afterwards and I felt the next day's soreness. And I was like, already? Oh, it's not gonna be good. <laughs> but but constantly what I was thinking of is this what we talked about with, with the tank top. Like you have a story of why it's the tank top. And the story is really the thing that's gonna key in on the brand. That's, that's what makes it important to people when I was saying, uh, when, they, when they have a part of it, because now, your brand is part of their story. They they voted for that. They're yeah. like, oh man, you see that? Like, oh man, I saw the new Mercedes. It's like, oh, actually, like I voted for the rims. <laughs> you know, it, it becomes <laughs> one of those things. It's a conversation starter. Yeah. And so as a speaker, you know, it, it comes down to to more so your delivery. Yes. You know, like if you have that appearance, like, yeah, you can have the, the appearance. And that's something that's gonna stand out because it's different. It's like, oh, he's in a tank stop and he's still delivering. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it doesn't matter what he's wearing. But then on top of that, the way he's delivering. So like you said, it's levels the thing earlier. It's, it's levels to branding, especially as a speaker, because it's so many different ways yeah. to get out there and be this guy or the tank top guy. You know, when I work, I worked for Frito-Lay. This is the most embarrassing thing that happened. Well, <laughs> one of them. I was in the store and was, he's like, oh, the tip guy. I was like. All right, well, whatever. Then the guy delivering ice came and he said, "Oh, Ice Man." I'm like, "Why he get the hard man?" I had 18 months of physical therapy. I'd never bend beyond this, you know. And I was out of PT in four months. I was back working. I w um, I mean, I wasn't a hundred percent strength strength back in four months, but I was out of PT. Mm -hmm. I'd say probably about a year. I was back to doing everything I was doing beforehand, and then since then I've run. Over a, I did 133 obstacle races, a half marathon, a Spartan Ultra, 30 mile, <laughs> like does. so, so many, so many different things. Yeah. But it's like, what, what switched it for me was the pain. I was in so much pain right after surgery. So much pain. It was, it was like a hundred on that ten scale. Because mm -hmm. while I was out, one, of, one of the nurses told me, well, when I came back, that when he first sewed it back on, it was too high. So he a he actually had to undo it and redo it. Mm. So the pain level was insane. Ugh. And so he had told me, you know, don't put any pressure on it whatsoever. So I didn't. I went home with, with a walker at 34. That was cool. Right. <laughs> I had a walker and I had crutches. And so I didn't put any weight on it at all. So I had my first checkup one week later. And so I go. He's like, you know, you can start to put pre pressure on it now. I was like, okay. So like I, I push, push down, push down. I'm like, I dropped the crutches and I started walking. I was like, 
I probably could have did that days ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Days ago. So ever since then, I took my own rehab into my own hands. For people listening, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just sharing what I did. All right. Don't be saying, well, Rob said. <laughs> right. Right. But no, but I, I took it into my own hands where I would take their guidance, but I found my own thresholds. So sure. like, so when I had my, I know I'm dominating the conversation, but uh, we'll get right no, back. I'm to you. <laughs> and so when I had my shoulder surgery, they told me, you know, uh, no movement for six weeks. And mm-hmm. I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. And mm-hmm. so I just started finding my own levels. I'm like, where can I go to where it's tolerable? And I just kept it moving. So same mm-hmm. thing. I go for my first checkup and she's like, all right, let's check your range of motion. I'm like, keep going. I'm like, keep going, like, keep going. That was mm-hmm. all the way up. She's like, mm-hmm. you have full range. I said, because I don't listen to you. That <laughs> <laughs> so if I listen to you, I'd still be stuck in the sling like this. Oh, man, you would be <laughs> such a fun patient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the oh, PPs sure always get a kick around. out of me. <laughs> they all get a kick out of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so – off of that, basically, it blows my mind. And the surgeon that you had who saw you for that patella rupture, yep. that sentence right there, like setting the standards and the expectation that, oh, I don't know anything about this person, but because I'm seeing this, this is what's going to happen. Yep. That's so black and white. And I feel like recovery and rehab is a very much a gray area because everyone's so different, right? Yes. You going through that sort of an injury and surgery is different than, you know, some anybody else that's going to go through that sort of an injury yeah. and surgery. So when I have patients come in or they ask me or they say something like, oh, my surgeon said this, do you think that that's true? Oh, my surgeon said that I shouldn't ever play sports again or I need to have surgery. It's like, okay, let's step back, figure out, you know, there's more of a conversation to be had about it yeah. and setting those sort of strict guidelines right away already puts that preconceived notion in your mind as a patient. My doctor is telling me this, it has to be true. Most like there's not a lot of reasons to not trust a medically licensed doctor, surgeon, yeah. physician. Yep. Like, we know science. Those are facts. We've been educated. It's all good. So for the most part, like what we're saying has been, substantiated through science over the years but from a psychological perspective just to set up a person that way is it just killed that's awful and i hate when patients come in saying that when there's like oh yeah my surgeon said i won't be back for another like two years it's like what how did that that they don't even know what you move like or how you're supposed to move or what kind of an athlete you were before yeah like how can you like please don't think that like i i implore you like let's not just let that kind of you know go through your mindset. Yep. It's have, such a psychological thing. Have you heard of Les Brown? Uh no, I, I actually no? Can't have. No, he's, he's, a, he's a motivational speaker. Okay. Yeah, he's he's very he's very well well known around the world. He actually spoke at a master class I was in a couple of days ago, a, a virtual one. Yeah. And he has he has state stage four cancer. And so he said when he was at his doctor that, you know, the doctor gave him his prognosis and said, you know, you're in stage four. And so Les says, so you're telling me I'm terminally ill. He's like, well, how much, how much do I have? How much time do I have left to live? And he said, the doctor said, I'm just telling you that what you have is beyond my scope of helping you. 
how much time you have left on this earth is between you and God. You know, so like he didn't say you have six months to live. You have a year left to live. He's like, that depends on your will to live. I was like, that's awesome. He gets it. Yeah, he gets it. Whoever yeah. his doctor was treating him, that person gets it. And that's how you should be talking to patients. Yes. Cause like there, there's people who, who've been told, oh, you have 12 months to live and 10 years later, they're still here. Totally. <laughs> yep. you know? I never want to set or limit expectations for a patient because I don't know what their boundaries are. Like, yeah, humans are incredible. Like we are so like resilient and stubborn and we will always adapt to whatever is going on just yep. because that's how humans do things. So for you to set expectations or to limit somebody's ceiling for recovery or function is just, uh, to me, that's just not fair to the patient at all. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Even, even in the, the sports fitness performance world, it's the same thing. Like you, you go back to, to uh, Roger Bannister doing the mile in under, under four, four minutes. Like they said it was impossible until he did it. Now over 20,000 people have done it <laughs> just because one person did it. And it's the same thing in the gym. Like I'll put boxes up and they'll be like, oh, I, I can't jump that high. I'm like, you didn't even, you didn't even try yet. Mm-hmm. It's like, you just looked at it and defeated yourself. Or, or mm-hmm. if I had the heavier kettlebells out, like, oh, that's too heavy for me. I'm like, once again, you didn't even try. Then they pick it up. They, they end up doing a straight minute worth of swings with, with that weight when they yeah. initially defeated themselves. Right. And I think a lot of that just as a person, as a patient, like perception is everything. Yes. If you perceive something to be impossible, then okay, it's going to be if you just keep thinking that. But if you can understand and step back and realize that if you just create a solution to whatever that problem might be, whether it's can I lift this kettlebell so many times? Can I jump on this box that's like past my hip level? Like those are problems that we're trying to solve. And it's possible. You just need to have the right coaching, training, routine, dedication, mindset. A lot of factors go into it. Yes. But like limiting human potential is not – it's just it's, – I, I don't think that we have a limit at this point. And I mean amazing things are done every single day on this planet by human beings that probably they have never done before. And, you know, we just can't limit ourselves as humans and we can't set expectations for ourselves that are way below what we can actually achieve. Agreed. So speaking of expectations for yourselves, so what what motivated you to, to start your own business versus just working under someone else? Oh, I got so sick of wearing dress shoes every single day. Um, that was the major motive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a huge thing, though. That was totally besides the fact. Um, I've always felt like I really like doing things my way. And I don't like other people telling me how I should be doing things when I know my way works really, really well. Yeah. So for me to have that sort of a mindset and, you know, certainly I appreciate and can take the four years of experience that I had working for another physical therapy company. That was necessary. That was necessary for me. It was necessary for my growth. It was necessary for a lot of different reasons, but it gave me the confidence in knowing that, okay, if I step out on my own and I do my own thing, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I'll be all right. I'll figure it out. I might not have hundred percent success right away, but I'm going to figure things out. Um, I just really, really, really got 
in an awful routine where I had used to work um, over the years. And it, it just wasn't so much of a challenge for me anymore. And the patients that I was working with weren't necessarily motivated to be there. Um, they just didn't really seem to care. And I wanted, that was draining for me. Like I was putting so much effort in knowing that the patient that I was working with wasn't going to reciprocate my effort. So that was draining for me emotionally, physically, mentally. Yes. And over time, it just got to the point where I was just beaten down. I was in a really, really, really rough spot over the last you know year and a half because of the work that I was doing. It just wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't mm. something that I loved doing. And that was for me, it's like, that's my passion is helping people recover from injuries and start to move better and have a better life. Like, that's what I love doing. But it got to the point where I was just legitimately like, not excited to go to work anymore. Yeah. And so fortunately for me, things kind of fell the way that they did. And I was able to open up my own practice. And, you know, it's been going really amazing from so many different perspectives since I kind of stepped out and did my own thing. But um, there's, there's definitely a lot of reasons for that. But the biggest thing is just that I need to work with people that care. You know, bingo. Yep. Bingo. Same, same. Like when, when I sit with, prospects and I lay it out right up front what the expectations are and I know I'm losing money by doing that mm -hmm. but at the same token it's not about that you know like if, if someone pays me they come in they slack or they wreck our atmosphere or they don't get good good results which mm -hmm. doesn't turn into any referrals like there's no reason having them <laughs> right. you know, there, there, there's just none yeah. like so I, I let them know up front this is how we operate this is what i expect out of you this is how we, we we behave we don't allow a b c d and if you can adhere to all that you can join the family like yeah. if not then this is not the place for you dude i love that that's a great screening process to make sure that the people that you're working with are going to be valued clients and that they're going to tell other people about that and what you guys are doing and i think it's so important because you know, from my perspective, um, where I had worked before, like I would get somebody that comes in with a script and maybe they're in there for like a motor vehicle accident and their attorney sent them there. And like already right away, I'm rolling my eyes because I'm like, oh, every other patient that I've worked with that's been in this situation is realistically there. And maybe it's not in the right context. Maybe, you know, obviously they might be in some pain, but they might also not just be like pulling their weight because they get some money back in the end. You know, mm. the underlying motivations and the ulterior gotcha. motive that people bring to the table that always kind of has me raise an eyebrow. But if I genuinely know and understand where you're coming from and what motivates you and what you care about, yeah, I'm gonna give you 110. percent Yeah, that's that's exactly what I need back from them. And I set those expectations on day one too. You know what I mean? And I think that's so important. Listen, you're gonna come in here. Or you're gonna work your butt off. We're going to do a bunch of different stuff every time you come in here. I'm not boring. We don't do yeah. the same things over and over again. This is going to be a really good progression of certain movements, activities, whatever we're trying to accomplish yeah. over the course of time. Are you in for that? Like, are you committed to that? I'm going to need you to do a home program. I'm yeah. going to need you to do X, Y, and like, can you do this? And sometimes they can't. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to keep grinding. I'm going to keep working on them. But hey, stop it. You gotta just be direct with these people sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. And the, in turn, you know, you get the law, the law of attraction. You're gonna just start getting people who are like that. Yeah. 
You know, so same thing with with me. Like, I don't get people who want to bodybuild that that come into me. I don't get the people that want to do snatches and cleans and stuff. Because like that's, I mean, could I can I do those things? Yes. Can I teach those things? Yes. But mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not a power lifter. Like I'm more. You know, I mean, you see how we how, how we train. That's how I train myself. Mm-hmm. You know, with the carrying the buckets and sandbag runs and climbing the ropes and you know swinging kettlebells, farmers mm-hmm. carries. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the stuff I can do endurance stuff all day long. Give yeah. me t- give me ten bench presses and I need like five minutes to recover. <laughs> it's like, you need a quick thirty. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like the, the the heavy stuff drains me so bad. Mm-hmm. But um, oh, sorry, my phone timed out. All right, so you had you had written here about everyday movement patterns and habits shape who we are. Go 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 a little deeper into that. Yeah. So as human beings, we are the products of what environment we put ourselves in. Yes. Right? If you are somebody that sits at a desk all day long for work, guess what? You're gonna create adaptations over time because of the position that you're putting your body in repeatedly on a day-to-day process. If you don't necessarily do anything to combat that, you're going to look like a chair. Okay. (laughs) That's literally what happens. And um, certainly that's one example, right. Of just like being able to sit down all day. But yeah, let's say for example, you know, somebody has an issue with walking, all they're doing all day is walking back and forth. Um, Maybe it's like a mailman, right. But maybe the way that they're walking isn't necessarily appropriate. And over time they start to develop some sort of like injury, nagging pain, that kind of stuff. As humans, we're just the products of what are, what we put our bodies through. Right. And if we don't necessarily do something or give our bodies a different stimulus to get ourselves out of that typical position, we're going to get stuck there. Yeah. Right? That's where you start to see people that sit a lot. They're really immobile. They have a tight lower back. Their whole spine is rigid. Their hips are really tight. They have a really weak. There's a lot of things that go along with being sedentary or not necessarily being athletic to your fullest potential. Yes. And I think that's where a lot of people like don't realize that. Like I used to have people that I would work with that were in their eighties, seventies or whatever. And they'd be doing planks on the table. I'm like, that's right. Like get your butt up on the table. We're doing some planks. We're doing like we're doing some hardcore stuff. And that goes back to not limiting our potential as human beings for movement. Right. Like if I were just look at somebody and be like, oh, this person's 84. There's no way that they can do a farmer's carry. How do I know that if I don't try it with them? Why is there? Why would I limit that? Or why would I not at least attempt it as long as it's safe and appropriate and medically necessary, all that good stuff. But like if that's an intervention and a stimulus that's going to help a patient, that's going to be way more applicable than doing some boring like pelvic tilt or some straight leg raise or whatever, like some stupid yeah. table exercise, right? <laughs> like let's get them up, get them moving and give them a purpose and help them really regain their function. So, you know, just pushing people to their limits is so important to be able to help them reach their potential. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And as I was saying, when I was rehabbing from, from the, the shoulder surgery about finding the threshold, Mm-hmm. That's what that's what I t- tell my clients. Like, don't walk over to the kettlebells and just find find a light, comfortable one. And find one you you don't want to pick it up and be like, whoa, like that's way too heavy. But you mm-hmm. want to pick it up and be like, all right, I can do this one. You know, <laughs> like like you want to find the threshold. Then if you do five or so and it feels too easy, 
go the next one up. It's like, but just, just find where you, you can do it with the proper form, but mm -hmm. it's still making you work. Mm -hmm. And you that's know? a great way to dose the exercise, right? And I always try to think along those same lines, right? Where you're basically, form is key. Form is the, all above all else, the most important thing. Mm -hmm. If you do one rep with perfect form, I would much rather have you do that understand that that was a great repetition that's what it should look like then a thousand really crappy reps yep. and then think that you did something really good like i say that all the time good job you did a thousand squats the wrong way yeah and you're gonna have a ton of back pain like <laughs> yeah so, exactly yeah, yeah. you know there, there's a certain certain uh facility out there i'm not gonna call them out but mm -hmm. i i took classes there a few few years ago mm -hmm. and it was there was a a board workout, trying to be politically correct here, right? There was a board workout and there was a task, you know, on the board. So there were pull-ups, there were push-ups, and I believe squats. Like how many rounds could you get in X amount of time? And I'm watching people do this, you know, I'm minding my own business too, but like I'm watching people do this and the necks are down on the push-ups, the hips oh. are sunk down. They're not oh. going full range. They're like... <laughs> And people are cheering. They're like, yay. Yeah. I'm like, people are cheering this nonsense? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, wow. Unreal. Yeah. That hurts right here, man. It really does. And, yes. I, and it hurts because I know it's real. And yep. it's such a thing. Like, I'm – I like to – I'm a people watcher. I'm yeah. seven feet tall, basically. Like, I can see everything. Like, I'm always watching what's going on around me. Yeah. Particularly when people are moving, my eyes are locked in. Yeah. And – I see it all the time at, you know, different gyms that I've been to in my life or on certain boards at different group fitness. <laughs> like the fact that people are excited and preach doing as many reps as possible when the way that they're doing those repetitions is going to facilitate a potential injury or a movement compensation mm -hmm. is, is just awful. And that's just we're doing such a disservice to our patients and our clients if we aren't very particular about coaching and making sure that the way that they're doing certain things is the most efficient way possible, yes. not to say that I should squat the way that you squat, but the most efficient way for me to squat, I should be able to do that without any sort of weight. And then from that point, add more weight, add more repetitions yes. and things like that. And, you know, it, it just really, really hurts me. And that, there are businesses out there that preach doing those things and think that it's okay and it's good for their clients. Yeah. You build this culture around doing as many reps as possible and, you know, lifting as much weight overhead as possible. It's like literally unless you are Superman or you are in the WWE, you don't need to lift weight over your head 5,000 times. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So why are you trying to? Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's talk back pain for a minute. Yeah. So, because that's that's probably the the number one. I mean, you would know better than me, but I want to assume back pain's like the number one thing to deal with out there. What are some stretches people can do to try to mm -hmm. alleviate that? Sure. So, back pain in general is the most prevalent injury that we see in an outpatient physical therapy setting, right? The reason why people have back pain is multifaceted. There are yeah. so many different reasons why somebody might have lower back pain, mid back pain, upper back pain, whatever. But nonetheless, most of those people that do have back pain would really benefit from some particular stretches. And a lot of people 
don't really understand that like stretching something is there's so many different ways to do it. Yeah. Basically the way that I view it is performing a certain movement that's going to benefit you and improve your mobility and improve your flexibility. <laughs> yeah. So a stretch that I really, really, really love to do with patients that have lower back pain is just work on like, first of all, getting them to be able to control their pelvis and their spine and using a really good hip flexor stretch to open up the front part of the hip because typically people that I see that come in for back pain, they sit all the time, their hips don't extend very well, they don't rotate through their spine very well, and there's just a lot of tight musculature that puts their hips and their pelvis in a really unfortunate position so that when they're trying to do stuff like squat or lunge, there's just not a lot of space for things to move. So it's just about restoring a lot of hip mobility, a lot of spinal mobility, and then getting patients to be able to, once they have that mobility, how do they use it the right way and coordinate their movements so that way they're doing things in a particular order that's not going to throw off, you know, their lower back or make their problem a little bit worse. Um, and my favorite stretch for the lower back or for the spine in general is child's pose. And that's just me. Uh, yeah. A lot of people have their own like favorite stretch. I love flexion. Like I'm a huge flexion guy. So the mm -hmm. fact that going into a child's pose position, it just feels great. Um, yeah. It feels great, right? It's a full body stretch. You might feel it like I will feel a child's pose stretch probably in a different spot than you would feel a child's pose stretch. Yeah. But, you know, if you do it the right way, you're getting overhead reaching. You're getting full spine flexion. You're getting your pelvis to flex. You're getting knee flexion. Hip, it's it's just a great position mm. to be able to kind of get in tune with the ground a little bit, focus on your breathing, and it just feels good. So nice. I usually do that with a lot of patients, but it's it's very patient-dependent. For sure. So, do you know Jen Hurst? Why does that sound so familiar? Who's that? She said you introduced her to to uh, the foam roller. <laughs> oh my goodness, Jen! I apologize. You like that name sounds familiar. I can't picture a face in my mind. I'm so happy that you found the foam roller and it's now your home. That is so great. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. That's great. All right, All right. So, how how can people get in touch with you? Um. So. They, I mean, you have all my information. We'll post it or, or whatever after the podcast. But primarily, the easiest way to get in touch with me is by emailing me. Um, my email, I don't know if you want me to shout it out now or if you want yeah, to. Go ahead. Yeah, so it's T Swenson, just like my last name, at uh, it's dpt at gmail.com. Jenny, I just remembered you. I know exactly who you are in my head. I hope things are going well. I appreciate the foam roll comment. Um, <laughs> and then also, too. I have a couple. I have a Facebook page. I have an Instagram page. Um, you can check out Primal Physiotherapy and Sports Medicine. Uh, I'm up on Instagram and Facebook. You can all my contact information is up there. Right now, I'm having a website being developed. It should be out very, very soon. So that website, when it's up, we'll make some announcements on Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. And that way, you can schedule a free screen with me. You can ask me some questions or just get a little bit more of an idea about what we do over at primal physical therapy and sports medicine nice yeah jen commented back and said that you you worked on her back yeah i know exactly yes i'm so happy that she said something that's great small right. world dude. that's crazy <laughs> yep yeah 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 well, we, we we went to the same high school jen and oh I. no doubt that's awesome yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. great all right so so with physical ther therapy too a lot of people are, are afraid of co-pays Mm -hmm. So, so do you offer ser services that don't go through insurance? Yeah, absolutely. So 
the way that I basically charge for treatment is, do you want to pay through your insurance company? If you do, then I'm covered with a bunch of major insurance providers, including Blue Cross, uh, Aetna, Cigna, Tufts, TRICARE, and United. So that's all well and good. We can go through your insurance. Usually the copay is going to be a lot less than it would be out of pocket. And I, I didn't mean copay. So I meant the other one, uh, deductible. Oh, okay. Yeah. A lot of times people's deductibles are really, really high with their yeah. insurance plans. So they have to get a lot of treatment to even meet their deductible. Yeah. So sometimes they're just like, screw that. I'm just going to pay out of pocket. It doesn't matter anyways. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to come in for treatment and you just want to pay cash or credit card or whatever, it's 75 bucks for a 60 minute session. Um, and that 60 minute session depends a lot on what you want to do and your goals. And we can do whatever it is in the books that you want to get done to work on your goals, whether it's hands-on treatment, whether it's, you know, working on stretching or strengthening, whatever it might be. Like I always try to tailor my treatment plans directly to the patient's desires, goals, values, all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, that's, those are the two options that we have. We have cash, we have insurance coverage. Nice. Yep. Good, good. Any parting words for us? Um, no, listen, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. This has been a really great experience. And, um, you know, I definitely look forward to continue to work with you in the future. And uh, hopefully this isn't the last time I'm on this. I don't know if you do repeat guests or anything like that. But if you're thinking about it, I'm always down to have a conversation with you. Nice. I love it. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for those of you who tuned in. Okay, don't don't sign off yet. Yeah. Oops. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I bumped you too soon. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tim. All right. So that was our show for this Wednesday. You can join me on Sunday where I have another guest lined up for you. And that's also at 11 a.m. And we have guests booked out through March. So this show isn't going anywhere at all. So again, thank you for tuning in. Remember, if you got goals that you want to get to, you got dreams that you're sitting on, if you want to change in your life, shut up and grind. This is Rob Foster signing off. Take care. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, actually, Tim, I might, I might, have, I might have to sign you off. All right. I'll, I'll catch up with you after. Because I forgot this isn't like Zoom. <laughs> All right. Yeah, See no you later. Way. All right, bro. Take it easy. Yep. Bye. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at Robert underscore B underscore Foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind. He's definitely hooked things up for you. Um, he's got some things coming. Like I said, definitely jump on Say. Uh, I'll tell you right now, if you take Say seriously, and it's the way that I think that he's designing it to be, that in and of itself will add six figures to your business. You know, if you haven't started a business, 
it will allow you to create a business that gets in that six figure range a lot faster than what they say. So what, what two to three years to become profitable? Whatever, man, they can leave me alone with that. But definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely wanna uh, take advantage of those things that are right in front of you instead of trying to go out and like, this is right in front of you. Robert is right in front, you're listening to him anyway. <laughs> so just put in the action what you're hearing is being said. That's all, take action. <laughs> I'm so glad, glad I have that recorded. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that. Shut up and, and take action. <laughs> Shut up and take action. I love it. It's going to be my, my, my next book. <laughs> All right. So again, to get in touch with Leonard, leagueoflegacies.com slash RBF Fitness. Hope you guys got some solid takeaways. If you joined in late, definitely go back to the beginning and just take notes take notes and as he just said take action if you want to change your life you got to shut up and grind have a great day everyone have you thought about starting your own podcast well if you have then you want to download anchor it's the easiest way that you can make a podcast they give you everything you need in one place and it's absolutely for free you can use it right from your phone or your computer they have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere, like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Pod Podcasts, and others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at robert underscore B underscore Foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.